Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. Welcome, Sober Exposure. I'm Jennifer Wilde. Got a big treat for you today. Um, so usually I give a big introduction and I say all your credentials, but because I'm so ADHD, there's no way I'm going to be able to memorize or even write down all your credentials. There's so many. We have invited Dr. Faber and welcome to Sober Exposure. Thank you so much for coming in this early hour. How are you? I'm very good. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, a week away from Thanksgiving, but uh, who knows when you're listening to this or watching this, when it'll be. Uh, first question, I was talking about all your credentials. Can, can you tell us all your credentials? Because I can't remember. <laughs> There's so many. There's so Well, many. just briefly, and the credentials <laughs> add credibility, but it's really the results we want, right? But I'm a double board certified uh, psychiatrist, both in adult and child and adolescent psychiatry. Uh, in addition, I've done a fellowship and got a board certification at the American Academy of Anti-Aging and Metabolic Medicine, which then led me to going to George Washington U and doing a fellowship in uh, metabolic medicine. Uh, and I'm probably the first, one of the first, if the first psychiatrist to get that degree. And uh, what, it, yeah, yeah. What is, I hate to interrupt, but what is metabolic medicine? Well, metabolic medicine, integrative medicine, you can somewhat use interchangeably but it's really trying to understand how the body uh, affects all organ systems. So my traditional training with psychiatry was, hey, if there's something wrong with the brain, it's going to affect your gut, it's going to affect your heart rate, it's going to affect your immune system. But it can work the other way too, reverse-wise. So your adrenal glands, if you've got too much cortisol, guess what? That can affect your brain and how it works. If your hormone levels are too high or too low, from thyroid to progesterone, estrogen, that can affect your brain. Um, we used to think of psychiatric disorders as primarily those of a neurotransmitter depletion. Um, yes, that's true. But how come anywhere from, you know, depending who you read, 35 to 55% of people aren't getting better? And so we're starting to see, is there something more inflammatory going on? And so this is sort of a new wave saying, um, hey, I'm depressed, but I'm also overweight. I got joint pain, stomach problems, urinating frequently. Is there something else going on besides just having not enough serotonin? Yeah, yeah. And uh, people that are like non-responsive, we were talking uh, before we started that I basically am non-responsive, have been non-responsive to every form of treatment for depression and anxiety and ADHD, all of it. None of it works for me, but I also am an I've been diagnosed with everything, total addict. And my first question that I really want to ask you that is so important. So many of us here are struggling with addiction on this podcast. Can you see addiction on a brain scan? Well, we can't see the quote unquote addiction on the brain scan. What we can see on scans is where the brain's working too little or where the brain's working too much and then start to target focus treatment towards those particular areas uh, to help them work more effectively. Um, you know, we, we see people using drugs and alcohol or other, you know, substances 
depending on parts of their brain they're trying to calm down that they're not even really aware of. I gave a talk yesterday talking about basal ganglia, which is a uh, inner sub uh, neurological area where if it's working too hard, people get anxious. What do you do? You go drink or use benzos mm-hmm. to calm them down. Uh, and it works, and, but there's residual problems. One is they're addictive. Two, our whole cortex um, is is an area where it can be very toxic. Damaging. So, so yeah. th- those of us who have uh, blown our brains out with drugs for t- 30, 25, 30 years, d- that shows up. You'll correct? see on the cortex, if there's been a lot of use, we'll see certain patterns, notably mm-hmm. on the cortex that say, hey, this has done some damage. That's sort of the not so pleasant news. The good news is, is there's things you can do to try to help reverse that um, as well. Okay. Well, I want I want to go there. I want to see what is it that we can do to reverse it. Uh, first, I want to talk a tiny bit about, uh, so I found you because of my um, embarrassing guilty pleasure, the Kardashians, and they were talking about Dr. Ramen, I guess, uh, I don't remember which one, Kendall, I think, and she was doing a brain scan. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to have this guy on my podcast. Um, so I reached out and that's how I found out about the um, uh, Amen Clinic, Dr. Amen Clinic, or it's just, he's the one that started it. And what is it that's different about that clinic that you're affiliated with than just any other psychiatry or uh, neurology um, physician. Yeah, I think um, one is, uh, and it, this is the similar part is we listen, but the second <laughs> part is uh, we look. Um, we look at the brain and see what areas appear to be working too hard or too little, and then make more target focused uh, decisions based upon what we see. This is my opinion is kind of the wave where where medicine, brain health is, is going. Um, you know, 25, 30 years ago, we just didn't have the technologies as developed as we do now from spec scan, which looks at blood flow of the brain. That's what we do. But, you know, PET scans will be interesting to follow fMRIs and some of the other technologies to see what we can glean from those technologies to help brain get better. Um, the only way we really had, besides doing an MRI, which didn't tell us much, was if you want to go get tissue samples of brain and see what's working and not working, well, who's going to do a brain biopsy? Ew, then you have thank to go. You. <laughs> yeah, thank you. you know. Just take a, find a way to take a picture of it, please. Yeah, don't don't start drilling on my brain. I mean, it makes sense, thank God, goodness, that we are finding this technology because if I break my knee, we, we look at my knee and we figure out how to help my knee. My, my You know, I have a shoulder problem. I have an MRI with my shoulder. So it only makes sense that you look in the brain and so you, you, let's say you're looking inside my brain, you see all this mumble jumble. If I came to you and I, and I, I got that uh, particular scan, what's it called? It's a special. special it's called a uh, SPECT, S-P-E-C-T. So like SPECT, but put a T on the end of it, SPECT scan. Okay. What is, it, I do, what is the benefit? What am I going to get out of you seeing the inside of my brain? How is that going to help me, my depression, my anxiety, my ADHD, my chronic relapsing? How, what's that going to do? Yeah, okay. so it gives us the ability to see what neuroanatomic regions of the brain. And what does that mean? Well. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm going to de-geek you. I'm going to I'm going to make yeah. you come down to layman's terms here with us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So there's different parts of the brain where we see different associated symptoms. So, for example, um, your let's just enter singlet cortex big geeky word, but it's basically if I put my finger here and went in for about half of an inch, uh, there's a part of our brain called the um, anterior singlet cortex. And it's anterior, it's in the front. 
if that part of our brain, and this is from doing the 190 some thousand scans, we see if that's overactive, uh, people tend to not be able to uh, go with the flow, so to speak. So most of us, we like to go from one thought to another, to another rhythm. If that area gets too much blood flow, we see people get eh, really stuck. Mm. All right. Now, what does that mean when people get stuck? Okay. It can mean a few things. One is uh, we're talking. Mm-hmm. And like I say something, it doesn't make sense. We get stuck. So rather than listening to me, we might divert our attention, just look outside and watch the cars go by. Right. So you you're you're focusing, but on the right thing. So in essence, you're daydreaming. That's ADHD, right? That's one type bit. of ADHD. So there's people that get distracted, ADD, but then there's people who focus, but they're not focused on what they're supposed to. All right. Uh people who have uh substance use issues. All right. They can get stuck on those thoughts and can't get them out of their head if that parts. Do you mean the active. compulsions, the thoughts of compulsions and wanting to use? So obsessions, yes. uh, compulsions. Mm-hmm. All right. That part of our brain, we get we get stuck. So if you look at like substance abuse, since we're, we're talking about that, that's a whole interesting uh, subject. But there's sort of two phases we look at to substance use from a research domain, but then it applies to reality. There's one, the urge, Mm -hmm. and then two, there's the reward. Now, what does that mean? It means the urge is people get triggered. Uh, Substance abusers will go into situations, they see something, smell something, hear something, and it sends a message from our eyes to our thalamus, which goes to our uh, part of our brain called the hippocampus. That's our memory center. Mm -hmm. And And we get you for a recall. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me of you know, the time I was at this party and I smoked weed and we had a great time. And so unconsciously that sends a message to a part of our brain called the um, nucleus accumbens, which is our reward center. And our reward center says, start shooting off dopamine. So we start. Oh, we love dopamine. dopamine. Give me more. Give me more. Can you put that in a pill? <laughs> yeah. So we, we, <laughs> we start shooting off dopamine. All right. And if you look at dopamine, when you have those urges, it goes way up. So all of a sudden we start having these urges to use. It's like, where are these coming from? We might not even know unconsciously, but our brain's picking it up. If your anterior singlet goes back to that, if it's too active and we get stuck, we're going to have a harder time letting go of those urges. Okay. All right. And so there is a problem. And so if you don't address that, uh, that anterior singlet area, that can cause some real challenges. But if you don't look and see, Mm-hmm. No, you don't know what you have. Yeah. So how do you treat it? What do you do to treat it? So higher association of anterior singlet being active, we see a lower amount of serotonin mm-hmm. produced. And so, what's the difference between serotonin and dopamine? So they're two different neurotransmitters that have different receptors they bond to. Uh, mm-hmm. Serotonin is more of a mood stabilizer. It helps us stay calm, not depressed. Mm. helps us from not daydreaming dopamine's like a, a, a neurotransmitter if we get pleasure it mm. goes way up and it feels mm-hmm. good um the problem with substance abuse is when you use you get this huge flux of dopamine that's it's too much you know mm. and so we get and want that higher amount when in essence we probably should be just getting um a little now since you brought up the dopamine, and we'll come back to the anterior singlet, if you look at- Wait, what's form- an anterior singlet? I'm not going to let you do this. <laughs> your anterior singlet cortex, that's the area of your oh, brain. Oh, the ter- okay. That's like a half inch under where I'm pointing right now. 
Okay. Right? If you look at dopamine and if you think of the urge, I want to use, I want to use, and then the yes. reward. What's yes. the, wh- how do you feel after you use? Like shit. I, want, yeah, so I, I just want to kill myself. This is like the, the crazy part. It's like the urge, your dopamine levels, mm-hmm. high. The reward mm-hmm. you use, guess what? There's a lot less dopamine. All right. And that's, and just like you said, people use, it's like, I don't feel that great. In yeah. fact, the consequences afterwards, we really feel really uh, a hard time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Cause when we first get high, we feel great. But the af- afterwards, yeah. the come down is, is, is just miserable. Is that cause we blew out all of our dopamine? Well, there's less dopamine that's available. Um, the other thing we see is the more people use, guess what? The less the reward. Mm-hmm. The experience isn't as great as the first time. You don't Tolerance. get as much. Do- yeah. So dopamine urge is a lot higher than dopamine getting the reward, which is, th- this is the crazy part. And so part of the question is, is how do we control that urge? And this is kind of where research and studies I think are going. And we mm-hmm. know some, but not nearly enough on how to help that dopamine level get to a level during the urge. How do we control that? How do we get it to, to decrease? Um, mm. Substance abusers, you know, you see people do really well. They do really well. They do really well. Then all of a sudden something <laughs> trigger triggers happen. Dopamine goes way up and then people suddenly start using again. And that's the hardest uh, thing. And we're still learning how to deal with that um, ourse- ourselves, just from a scientific yeah. basis. Um, we see people in our practice, they do really well. They do really well. Then something happens, they get triggered and boom. And what track, what do they do to have them start doing well? They, they get, they, they get, um, they get their diagnosis or whatever. You look inside their brain and then what do you do to put them on a well path? You put them on supplements. um... Well, okay. So back, if your anterior singlet's too active. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. You can use medications if you so choose. Things like Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, they will all increase serotonin. Or you can look at supplements, okay, mm-hmm. which is sort of my go-to initially. Things like 5-hydroxytryptophan, which is a precursor molecule to make serotonin. Uh, St. John's wort, that's the one people have heard of. Really? Yeah, most. we've heard about that for years. And you would, uh, fi- that's, I always thought it was kind of hocus pocus. Like I didn't believe in it really. It was like, oh, give me, give me, but I've changed my ways. I was like, give me the pharmaceuticals, give me the real stuff, give me the pros, give me the strong ones. Mm-hmm. And, and that never worked. And yeah. so I've been going to more of a holistic approach and I see approach. it feels like, mm-hmm. yeah. So is that there's something called saffron, like saffron the spice, which we're seeing. Last couple of two, three years, we've seen some really promising data on using that to help balance serotonin physiology. It's one I'd be watching uh, really? closely. You yeah. heard it here first on sober exposure, saffron. Look out for it. Yeah, it's becoming much more popular and widely used. Uh, so those are just three supplements and medications if we were targeting that area. Now, the substance abuse brain typically has a lot of other problematic you know, <laughs> areas. It's not just one. Most people, it's not one. No, there's so it's many a bunch. Yeah. And it's the, the brain is not the easiest organ, right, to understand. But we start looking and start coming up with multiple areas that we've got to help the brain work better if we're going to get better. How how far are we from a cure for uh, just a cure from substance abuse? You know, that's a good question. And I, I don't really have a, a good answer. I can tell you this. This is this is where I'd be watching closely. If you look at, say, just alcohol. 
You have a hundred mm-hmm. people. Oh, I'm going to get sober. I'm not going to use mm-hmm. anymore. A year later, guess how many people are still sober? Two. 30%. Yeah. Oh, 30. So, that's high. That's actually a lot higher than I, than I that, thought. That's better. But that means hey, 70% of people, mm-hmm. we, we've got to get more creative. If you're using something else, you know, from cocaine to marijuana, THC, that's a whole nother topic to any of them, only 20% are still mm. sober after a year. And so the, the challenges are, are, are huge. So THC, it's huge because now it's legal. And um, I'm, an, I'm an addict. Uh, according to the conventional ways, I'm not supposed to use THC. However, it helps a lot with anxiety, depression, some pain that I have. Well, it's, it's hard. Um, cannabis, there's two active ingredients. There's cannabinoid. CBD mm-hmm. oil, which actually looks fairly safe. And then the other ingredient is the THC. And the THC is very toxic and it is not your brain's best friend. Now, historically, if you go back to pot back in the 1990s and you took a plant, cut it, and you measured the amount of THC percent-wise, guess how much THC was in those plants? About 2%. Uh, not as much as there is now. <laughs> yeah, 2%. Now, if yeah. you cut it, with all the, the the growth and you know the the, the more uh, sophisticated ways, it's about twenty to twenty five percent. That's ten times higher. Mm. All right, so that you know, that's a lot more. You know, marijuana. Now, what are we seeing? If you look at the research, the data, we're seeing people get more psychotic, more paranoid. We're seeing people's focus get a whole lot less. We've we've seen people's thought processes just in general diminish and they're like what the you know what is going on here and it's Mm. like well it's it's the thc from what you're taking we can show pictures before and after thc and there's there's marked perfusion deficits to the entire cortex so our surface of our brain yes our cortex yes all right we look at the blood flow over the whole surface okay we like to see it be smooth and Mm -hmm. over the whole surface when you use thc you start to get pockets where there's less blood flow to the whole surface of the brain. All right. Mm. So what does that look like? Um, can you and do what a, does it do? What does it, it do if there's you, holes in my brain? Does that make me like not as sharp? Is that why I'm having all these senior moments? Um, if there's decreased blood flow, depending on where it is, we have problems. So like say our frontal lobes underneath, especially we start having focus issues. Uh, unlike daydreaming, we'll start to get distracted. We'll jump from one topic to another. Mm-hmm. We also have a harder time making decisions. We get more impulsive. Uh, it takes sometimes a lot of energy to make a good decision. If this isn't working well, we'll make a quick decision and not think of it. This area also helps us see uh, uh, judgments. What are the consequences? If it's not working well, uh, we don't see this helping and working as well. Uh, for those of you who remember Fast Times of Ridgemont High, <laughs> Right? That yeah, was my uh, skull. I'm so yeah. wasted. Yeah. So Spicoli, I mean, the, the guy was what? He was hilarious. I mean, that's like a classic movie, but think of how he spoke. You know, well, man, you know, I want to go to where Australian, you know, yeah. uh, gym with the still. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, not passing school. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't thinking clearly. And, and, and the problem is the pot affects our whole surface from the way we think back to the mm. sides, how we hear, listen to things wow. back, how we see things. I mean, you start to see um, marked deficits across the whole cortex um, when you're using marijuana uh, frequently. So therein lies the problem. 
And that's, and that's just the stuff you can buy at the dispensaries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What about the yeah. stuff on the streets? Oh, um, yeah. you know, I mean, we're seeing it's, 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 it's really kind of concerning and crazy. Um, we've had a few people, uh, you know, uh, family of me mm-hmm. pass away. And it's, uh, well, it's like, so what's going on? I go, one of the things that's going on and I've talked to some of my youth in my foundation. I say, what's, what's going on with this stuff on the streets? And they said, it's the middleman. I go, the middleman, what do you mean? I go, they're putting all sorts of stuff in it. So they get a bigger bang for their buck. So rather mm-hmm. than give you a full pot, they'll spray pot with hairspray. Oh, that's nice. I'll mm. put fentanyl in it. Why do they put fentanyl in it? So That'll kill you. Hot. It could. Yeah. And yeah. it could kill you, you know, yeah. could kill you. Uh, and they don't know all, you know, is if you put fentanyl in, you have withdrawal symptoms. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to sweat. I better get some more pot and smoke mm-hmm. it. So now you're going back to the. So you uh, think you have room. a marijuana addiction, but you really have a, an opiate addiction because you're getting it on the streets. And this is most likely doctor, what is happening with our children? Because when you're 18 in most States, you can get your marijuana license and it's safe. It's not, okay, listen, it's not safe for our brain, what I just learned, what it's doing to the brain. Um, however, it's not going to be laced with that stuff from a dispensary, but the kids are going on the street. Yeah. Terrifying. So one of the questions when I hear, oh, well, um, I'm smoking pot. Well, where are you getting it? Yeah. Now, why am I asking? Not just to ask. It's because if you're getting stuff on the streets, it's like, um, it's getting yeah. concerning. Uh, CDC. in 2021, there was 100,363 um, deaths associated with substance use. All right. Now, the, okay, what does that mean? Let's just have some fun with numbers. Per right. day, that means 274 people are dying per day. Per day. All right. So if you divide by 50 states, you know, you're looking at, you know, five, six people per state. Um, I went divided by psychiatrist. If you had 30,000 psychiatrists, that means, you know, we're seeing three deaths a year. Wow. You know, because people are are, are using. I mean, it's it, the numbers and it's growing. If you go from. No, it's astonishing. It's yeah. Epidemic. You know, and it's like, hey, gang, we got to start waking up. Numbers are kind of, you know, they're not sexy. They're not glamorous to look at. Um, but they tell stories and you have to learn how to look at them, understand them, translate them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then come up with other impact plans to, to help because um, we're, we're seeing a lot more concerns with, with drugs in our practices and alcohol, both. Mm. What about the alcohol? Well, it's sort of the same thing. People will use um, alcohol as a means to calm the down. Re- the, yeah. Those areas of the brain. Let let me ask you this about, because we did an episode about naltrexone and I had uh, the Sinclair method and I had a a woman who's the spokes, she she does a lot of uh, spokesperson work for that Sinclair method and the naltrexone. Is that a cure? She claims it to be a cure. For some people, it's it's a cure. It'll help them stop the urges, uh, decrease. So you drink or use something and you just don't get the high from it like you did before. And it's like, well, why do you want to continue using this? I'm not getting the, the dopamine. So. But does it do anything it. to the brain to take away the cravings? Cause that's what they uh, claim. Uh, it's doing something to the brain. I can tell you what, in terms of its molecular action, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. blocks 
uh, opiate receptors yeah. called mu opiate receptors that give us the pleasure. So if you block those receptors and you use something, you're not going to get the, the pleasure. Okay, yeah. yeah. So if you're so, an alcoholic, I think it's safer to take that than not to, in my opinion, because there's no uh, detrimental side effects to naltrexone. Right? Some people can get sleepy. Some people yeah, have dreams, but in general, you know, it, no. it's better than killing someone in a car accident. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And then there's yeah. the question as well, you know, do you take it orally or do you take an injection? You can get mm. monthly yeah. injections. And um, if you look at the data, the, the injections probably work better. Why is that? Because people who want to use, you get those urges. like the They won't drink. Out. They won't take the pill. They'll the, yeah. Stop yeah. the pill. If you have the injection already in there, it's like it's in you. Yeah. So. Mm. So, all right. So naltrexone, I, I do. I, I'm, I'm behind that one. Uh, definitely an advocate of that. There's so many other things that I want to talk to you about. So let me just get the, the quick one because depression, mental health, all that. Such a, and I'm doing this for me. The reason why I have this podcast, people think, is to help other people. No, it's to help me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's because I have so many problems. It's to help me. But so there's some other trendy ways to help your brain or depression that I wanted to see where you stood. Mm -hmm. I was non-responsive to TMS therapy. Can you explain what that is, how it helps and what you think, what, what your uh, opinion is on it? So TMS stands for transcranial magnetic stimulation. Mm -hmm. So transcranial around the brain magnetic, you use a magnet and then you turn the magnet off and on uh, to help those areas of the brain that might not be working so well work better. So where do you put the magnet for now? And I say now, and I'll explain why, is we typically put it near and above our uh, left side of our anterior singlet cortex. Mm -hmm. So it shoots off a magnetic energy, which we believe helps those parts of the brain that aren't working so well, mm -hmm. start to work better. Uh, depending on who you read, it works about 37, maybe 40% of the time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in those individuals who have not responded to traditional medications. All right. Mm -hmm. So it can work. It's non-invasive, but it doesn't work for everybody. Um, now, it brings up a lot of other questions. It's like, where do you put the magnet? Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you just said, I, I know that they could move the magnet for like, I said, well, how could you treat my anxiety? And they said, we can move the magnet for another $3,000 and you can do it for another, you know, 40 days. And, and then maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. And see if but, it does help. We have less data on that. But mm -hmm. that's where yeah. things are going. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we'll see. You know, the other option, it would be like, okay, you get depressed. Um, you could do electroconvulsive therapy, you know, where they put you to sleep and give you a, two shocks and make your whole body shake. Who wants that? Um, no, and that that's like the old school. That's what they used to do. And that's what they used to do like back in the day, right? They used that back in the day. And uh, it, believe it or not, it's it's fairly effective, but most people would rather have a magnet next to their head, watch TV show for 30 minutes and go home for 30 days than, than go through um, ECT. Yeah, um, it's, it's a scary. So, you say like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It's it's frightening. So another, another way that, and this helped me, this did help me a lot. It didn't last. Um, the ketamine therapy. I don't understand it. I don't get why I got more out of one session of ketamine therapy than I did 20 years cognitive talk therapy. I did go in a K-hole. It was terrifying. I thought I was dead. But when I got out, my ADD was reduced. My depression was reduced and I felt closer to the spirit. Yeah. Um, 
if you look the, the if you look at the research, people have a pretty instantaneous response, which is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, why we've got theories on how it potentially works. We suspect it helps increase sort of through an indirect ray the secretion of something called glutamate, which makes us more active. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I just don't get too much of it. Um, does it work long term? We're seeing some data that looks promising as long as you use it like you're supposed to be using Consistently, it. Consistently, yeah. 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 Um, so we like it. Now, if there's a neurotransmitter issue, like you're not making enough of, say, norepinephrine, that makes sense. I, just as just from experience is if you've got something inflammatory going on, mm-hmm. which we're seeing and you're feeling depressed, you probably want to treat the inflammatory cause before using the ketamine. Uh, how, how do you treat inflammation in the brain? Uh, fatty acids, oil, uh, fish oil. Well, fish oil is just a general treatment to help your membranes work better. Depending on what the agent is, whether it's mold, whether it's Lyme, whether it's uh, Epstein Barr virus, like Omega virus, mm. amongst others, you have to kind of note the causes. And then there's different treatments for each of those that you can utilize. Shit. That's uh that's a whole burgeoning uh field right now that we're learning a lot about. It's and pretty incredible so, too. Is that like also like heavy metals that are in your body and all lead, that stuff? Mercury. I mean there this is all new stuff. Endobacteria and actinomycetes, mm. those what people say, what are those? Well people have water damaged parts of their house, mold endobacteria and actinomycetes, they have their own little environment that grow. Some people have a hard time getting rid of the breakdown products, we believe, of those substances. And that causes a lot of like brain problems from focus to memory, to mood, to uh, brain fog. Why all, all these problems? It's because the toxins out through your brain and, and the toxins throughout your whole body then too. You get muscle aches, joint pains, shortness of breath if it's in your lungs. Uh, stomach problems from nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation to genital urinary problems. You're urinating more frequently. It's like people we used to say, you've got this thing called fibromyalgia. Yes. You know, and there's your diagnosis. That's it. Now we're finding out mm, there might be some reasons why people have fibromyalgia. It's not so psychosomatic and people get that. What do they do? I got to feel better. I take a pill. I take a pill. that's going to take my pain away or go find a drug on the street or find a drink in the the cabinet. Correct. We self-medicate. I I mean, I believe that I started using, it's always always like, which came first, the chicken or the egg with addiction. Like, I feel like I, I got a, I started treating my depression and ADHD at a young age because I was self-medicating because I was doing cocaine at age 16. And that's because I've realized that the cocaine obviously helped slow me down because I respond differently to cocaine because I, I have the ADHD component. What about, uh, so guys, there is so much stuff out there. I mean, like Dr. Faber, I could talk to you forever. Uh, there's a couple more things I want to touch. Uh, hypnosis, hypnotherapy, effective, not effective, woo woo, true. Is it real? What, what's your no, take on that? It can be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. how helpful I'd have to go look at the, the data, but I've sent people notably for those people who've got some real negative, like past patterns of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, that are unconscious. It really helps to re circuit the brain. It really does. Okay. And, and meditation, meditation, you know, uh, can help a uh, deep breathing with meditation can help, um, uh, all this so yes all that can help and since we're on this Mm -hmm. if you look at just lifestyle in general 
mm-hmm. you know, having a wellness focused lifestyle, which means throughout the day and how many people do this, you make sure that there are incorporated wellness activities, you know, from say emotions, feeling calm, deep breathing, meditation to learning, reading something positive and maybe journaling about it to okay. eating a healthy nutritional meal, blah, 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 blah. How many people I've got all these people who they may not be working. They might have a lot of free time. Our brain, all right, this is what happens. Our whole surface, like we're doing right now, we're talking, we're communicating, everything's firing, you know, we're having a good conversation. We usually feel better. Then we're by ourselves. And mm. the electricity of our whole brain starts to say, I don't need to use all this energy. So it starts to shut down. We'll start to shoot some electricity back in our anterior single area here in our back, sorry for using big words, called a posture <laughs> yeah. And we'll get this linear uh, 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 electricity going back and forth. Well, okay, so what does that mean? It means that the rest of our brain doesn't work as well. And what do we do? We tend to mind wander. Mm, okay. And if you've yeah. come from sort of negative backgrounds or, you know, uncohesive families, you might have more negative thoughts or you get catastrophic thoughts. Yes. What do you do? Adding wellness activities morning afternoon and evening just one activity for about an hour it makes a huge difference taking a walk even these these wellness camps a lot of them you go to you know arizona or wherever and you pay two thousand bucks a day you know why do they work it because it's every hour they have a new wellness it's programs activity. you have something it's funny that you say that because i just got back from one of those retreats yeah um in carlsbad on the beach and we meditated and i felt great and then i had to come home to my real life you know so wellness wellness is a big part of all this mental health stuff obviously uh your your behavior what you put out there is what you're going to get back all right so you mentioned you went to a wellness camp which yes. is what we were talking about and you felt right. great it's like what happens those urges Mm-hmm. get counteracted your brain's constantly put in focused areas of wellness now for the substance abusers this is yeah. where it becomes key is you have to discipline regiment your day to have at least three episodes where you're doing something that's wellness focused if you let your brain go to default mode network just those two front areas we're right. more apt to say well i don't know go you know let's get some weed let's go smoke let's go drink so front cortex look, okay so yeah in aa they say self will run riot this is front cortex run riot is that right that would okay. be one of the probably three areas we'd want to focus on but yes so dr faber you have a, a youth foundation some sort of what are you doing for the youth i'm i'm a lot of our listeners are parents i'm the mother of a troubled teenager who's right in there right now that i wish yeah. he would come out and hear all this because he has a cannabis addiction but what are you doing for our youth? So uh, the youth are defined as about 20 to 30-year-olds, so not the younger ones. Okay, who, all right. Um, young at adults. At this point, but it's going to expand young adults who are having an interest here in California in performing arts, whether it be singing, dancing, acting, who are inner-city uh, youth that are really are, they're really good. I mean, they're really good. But in terms of the leadership, internal acumen, to help develop and uh, uh, work those skills. They just haven't had 
the 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 uh, experience Exposure. here and experiences. Yeah. So the last 22 years of my life, I read probably two, three leadership books a month and then journal. So I've got all this information. And so what we do is go in and say, okay, you're doing this. What about dream building? What about goal setting? What about purpose? What about mental toughness? What about um, having a purpose? What happens if things don't go right? So it's all the things parents are too busy to teach and they're not getting educated at school with it. And so somebody's got to come in and try to start to uh, create a system to yeah. give them those internal skills. So we mixed fun. Um, like we had a, a, a BET event uh, mm. during BT week where we, we had the youth come and sing and dance. Amazing. Um, and, and we had agents come and they got to experience the, event. And then we teach them in between how to do leadership. Uh, two years ago, I was at an Academy Awards event at Beverly Hilton just before COVID. And I took three of the youth uh, to the event. And they got Oh, to... my Lord. Can you imagine how these kids must have felt? Oh, yeah. And then like one of them, it's like, you know, I had to do the carpet, you know, and they interviewed me. And uh, Flora, that was the gal. Um, she sat and watched and then I had to go to another room. There's another, you know, red carpet. And so they started asking me about the foundation, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, don't ask me. I go ask Flora. So all of a sudden, now Flora, who's inner city, never, she's never seen this. She's on the red carpet getting interviewed with cameras <laughs> on her. And then, like, I was looking for Flora. I go, where's Flora? You know, like an hour later. And now she's meeting all these people and went to another part and got interviewed by somebody else so yeah she says, screw dr faber i don't care i got this i got this i got this agent he's right. <laughs> you're boring I, mean, I don't want to talk about your brain which is fine i want to give them wow experiences constructive right. wow experiences mm -hmm. and then them see here's the possibilities but you've got to do the internal work to get there people are going to love you but guess what people aren't going to love you they're going to have some are going to hate you these days i mean just going on social media how do right. you deal with all that how do you keep pulling forward pushing forward despite all the obstacles so that's what we do that's awesome. I, I, I couldn't even imagine being a youth in this day and age. I mean, I, I imagine how I would be with social media. Oh, my gosh. Whew, I don't know how these kids do it. So I think you're absolutely amazing. And in closing, somebody, some, let's say you find a lost soul, somebody that can't find sobriety, mental health issues, anxiety, depression. Uh, in a nutshell, what would you tell them to do? And they've been through all sorts of treatment before? Non-responsive. Non-responsive to treatment. Um, get with a physician who uh, can be empathically attuned with what you're going through uh, and treat accordingly. Uh, but in addition to that, it gets down to, uh, you know, it's real simple stuff. It's like develop a secure, secure attachment with your doctor and other people. So unconditional acceptance. Second, build hope. Here's where you're at now, but here's where you can be in the future. So it's not all negative. Mm -hmm. And then three, start getting some belief in yourself, have faith. So the whole faith, hope, love doesn't have to be a spiritual faith, hope, love from a church standpoint, but it has to be something real palpable where you start to uh, get those internal experiences because they're very powerful. Um, yeah. And when you get that and experience it, it can be a very life-changing moment. Yeah. For, yeah. AKA for me, meditation. It's really changed my yeah. life. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that's, I, I said, I'm non-responsive to everything. 
meditation. The only problem is I have to be in meditation like five hours a day. But anyway, <laughs> so I want to do this again. I want to talk about more things because you are just like your one-stop shop to everything brain <laughs> is Dr. Faber right here and more actually. So um, thank you so much. Where can we find you? Social media, books. I know you have a book out too. I We didn't even get to your book. You want to talk about your book? Yeah, you can. The places you can find me, my website, uh, com, or just go to Amen Clinics and do a search with my name, Dr. Faber. And you'll see that or just Google me for that matter. Yeah, just just Google them and uh, you'll see stuff. Just a chuck full of information, Dr. Faber. Thank you so much. You did me such a favor, Dr. Faber, getting up go. at six in the morning for this. Playing have a words. great day. Great holiday season. I am so grateful to have had you. Thank you so much. This has been Sober Exposure with Dr. Faber and Jennifer Wild. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast.